We're going to start a new series today entitled White Christmas, as you saw just a couple of minutes ago. Let me tell you as I get going, this particular series is not for some, it's not for a few, this is absolutely for everybody. If there's anything the first two services have taught me is that this is going to touch literally everybody in this room in some way, shape, or form. Uh, This is 100% across the board, including myself. What I want to talk to you about is the subject of forgiveness and dealing with like offenses and things like that. And the reason I do that is because some of it is experiential and some of it's prayer. Uh, Experience has taught me this, but prayer also instructs me in this, that during the holiday season, uh, it's not that we necessarily have more problems, we just feel them more. Okay, I don't know what it is, it's, it's just the season it makes us more sensitive. It, you, 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 there's just less salve on the wounds, let's just say. And, and though it should be a merry and bright Christmas and, and ho, 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 and have a you know, holly jolly Christmas, and, and we should be carried, and you know, we think of Santa with our presents, many times we're, 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 like, we're like Santa with our problems over our shoulder. And the weight of them is greater during this particular season. In fact, studies reveal that between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there are more suicides during that time than the previous 11 months combined statistically. That's not because there's more problems, it's because they're amplified. The volume is turned up on people's emotions. And so what the enemy tries to do is he tries to get our soul downcast so that we can, he can destroy our life. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? One time David prayed. See, see he's trying to get into our, into our mind and he's trying to distort our reality and get us uh, disappointed, discouraged, and disillusioned about this life. But God came into this world sending his son that we might have life to the full, amen? And so I thought when we were you know, introducing the series, what would it be like not to just have a white Christmas out on the front lawn where the snow falls and there's that, there's that beauty and that perfection. How many like the first snowfall? Like, is it like the best or what? And we got a pretty high probability, although this is a pretty warm winter so far, more than most, let's just say, of having a white Christmas. Now I know when we first have our first snow, my wife and I like to take a walk. And we go outside, and of course, it's just, it's extraordinary. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's, it has a utopian look to it. It's, it's, there's that, that's, you know, that sound or lack thereof, that, that unique silence. It's just, it's beautiful. It's like that insulated, you know, comfort about it all. It's, it's, it's snowing, but it's, it's almost like warmth to it. It's a weird beauty that we have. And, and we want that circumstantially, but God wants us to have a white Christmas in our hearts. The Bible says that, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what he wants us to have, and that's an inside-out thing. So my, my vision for this series is that we would go into the Christmas season and not, not seek and desire just the external, circumstantial white Christmas, but we have a white Christmas in our soul. It's a condition of the heart. It's a purity, a freedom, a peace that he wants us to have here. But there's pain. And there's problems, and we're carrying around things sometimes that are far from presence. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's percolating sometimes inside us, and none of us are immune to this kind of pain or these problems or this kind of hurt. None of us, including me, everyone. In fact, I can, I can just tell you with, with a level of transparency while maintaining discretion, just this year I've experienced some painful offenses and hurts just this year in relationships. I can remember uh, the, this year where, where a leader, you know, left, left the church, a friend, friends of my wife and I, hard, difficult. 
I can remember having a phone call and, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a tender warrior, okay? So I talk tough, but I'm a cream puff, you know what I mean? And so I cry easy, I cry easy because I love people and, and the, 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 the wonderful side of that is the wonderful side of that. The other side of that is you can get hurt, you know, and you can take it personal and I do sometimes. And I'm listening to this person, I'm listening to the situation and, and I'm thinking, and, and I remember hanging up, just get to the end of it, I remember hanging up just thinking, that's it? Like it's over? You know, I want to like come back like, I can change. You know what I mean? Like, tell me what you want me to do. I'll fix it. I'll do it. I won't preach like that anymore or whatever. I'll, you know, whatever you, you know, it hurts. And so there's, there's no, there's nobody here that couldn't just pull a file or maybe it's already open in your life where you could just say, here's this thing right now that I'm dealing with. Many, I, I, I can tell you many people just at the door in little, little fractured conversations, people saying, oh, you know, just with a nonverbal all the way to, I'm, I'm struggling with all the way to, you know, I experienced something today that was a miracle and God was setting me free. We had a lot of that in the last couple of services. So I'm speaking to you firsthand. And if, as somebody who's been in ministry over two decades, I've not only experienced that for myself, but I've been front row with other people who are going through painful situations. You know, my wife and I have, have some close friends that, that, that are that, they're really messed up, you know. People mess up. How many know that the, the people business is messy? How many know grace is messy too? So thank God for that. They got, he gets right in the mess of our messes. There's no way for it to get perfect, but grace gets right in the middle of our messes, and you know, he turns our mess into a message, amen? But, the, but, but they're in a mess right now, and, 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 and they've, they've offended each other. They've hurt each other, and, and, uh, and now they're having a hard time forgiving each other, and they're having a hard time forgiving themselves. This is, this is something that people are wrestling with all the time in our lives, all around us. Every one of us are going through things or have gone through things or will go through things. And so I realize we don't really just need so much a sermon. Look at this almost like group counseling, and I'm included, okay? So I'm telling you stuff that I need for myself. I'm telling you stuff that you need. There's some counterintuitive ideas and advice that literally can change your life. And one of the ways that I can illustrate this uh, and you would expect this necessarily, is through uh, um, something that I like. I, I, I've gotten over this, I believe, in Jesus' name, but, but talking about it kind of brought this passion back again. But I had, this, I had this addiction in the past that I believe I've been set free from, and my wife will attest to this, but she could come into the room at night and I have my iPad, and I'm laying down in bed, and my iPad's on my chest, and I'm playing this game known as Angry Birds. <laughs> No lie, I've played them all, okay? And now there's a new one called Star Wars, Angry Birds. Anyway, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. So I almost named this message Angry Birds, uh, but that wouldn't go so well. But um, as I was, uh, I, was, I was studying kind of the background of this particular game, if you don't know what it's all about, Angry Birds is, is basically, they're these birds, and, uh, and they're really upset. Uh, that's the name. And, uh, and they're mad and angry at these pigs, because the pigs stole their eggs, okay? This is some profound stuff. If you brought a guest, I'm sorry. This is about as profound as it gets here today. Uh, so they bring, so, they, so, they, so these angry birds, what they do, here's the premise of the game, all right? I studied this. I studied this intently. It's how I spend my time as a pastor studying these kind of things. And so they, these birds, they put themselves in a slingshot, and then they hurl themselves 
into like buildings and into like bricks and rocks and stuff in an attempt to crush and destroy and kill the pigs. But in the process of killing the pigs, they kill themselves to try to, you know, get their eggs back because they're mad because their eggs are stolen. All right? So does anybody see where I'm going with this? Okay? Anybody see kind of the parallel? Here's the thing. They, they do it. They're successful. Like, ha, 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 I killed you, but I killed myself. But then there's always another level. You know, like the, 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 the pigs come back and, and, and so you got to go to another level. It never gets, it never gets over or goes away and there's always more pigs to kill. What's ironic though, and how I liken this to this message is we are entertained by this, but in some way we've bought into this notion that in order to get things right in here, we got to somehow harm ourselves to hurt someone else. We have to, we, we bought into this unknowingly and consciously to, to hurt someone else who hurt me, I've got to harm myself in the process. In fact, one person said that unforgiveness is, is setting yourself on fire hoping the other person dies of smoke inhalation. You know, uh, I used to like the Three Stooges when I was growing, growing up and still do at some, some level. And, of course, there's three, three Stooges and, and, and Mer- Moe and Larry and Curly. And, and, and Moe is the kind of guy that dished out all the pain, okay? So he's always like, you know what I mean, and the punch to the guts and all that kind of stuff and ripping people apart, you idiot, and all that. And then and Moe took most of the punishment. Cur- uh, Curly did too. Excuse me, I mean, uh, uh, Larry... And Curly took a lot of the punishment. Curly was the big guy, right? He's the big guy. So Curly, one time, he gets this, uh, to, to get back at Mo for all the punishment he's dishing out, he puts dynamite all over him, wraps it around his body, and then covers it over in clothing. So Larry comes up and says, what are you, you know, going to give him a hug? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? You know, and, 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 and Curly's like, no, 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 hug, no, hug me. I'm, I'm, I got to get Mo. Well, what are you talking about? He goes, ha, ha. He pulls this up, and he's got all this dynamite around him. He says, what are you going to do? He says, when Mo comes to punch me, I'm going to blow him up. <laughs> Some of you guys aren't getting the point. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's the point. He's going to blow himself up. He's an angry bird, okay? Here he's trying to hurt somebody else, but in the process, who does he hurt? He hurts himself in the process. And so here's what I want to talk to you about today. we got to get over this stuff, but we got to realize the best way to do it is not always the way we think we're going to get free. So Isaiah 1, God invites us into kind of an appeal. He makes an appeal to us on how to get free from this stuff. Here's what he says in verse 18. He said, come now, let's settle this. In other words, let's not go on another day with all this junk in your heart, all this, this, these, these, these problems you're carrying around. Uh, let's deal with this stuff, says the Lord. And then he gives what, what it looks like. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, in other words, it's, it's like your problems, it's like you're bleeding everywhere. It's visible. You, sometimes we think that our problems, we're keeping them to ourselves, but actually, no, we're, it's bleeding out. We can, we, other people see it, even though we think we're hiding it. Though your sins are like scarlet, I, I will make them white as snow. Though they red like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. Now, notice this line. So God wants us to have a white Christmas. God wants us to have a new reality on the inside of us. But here's the condition. If you will only obey me. You might want to underline or circle that line because it is critical to this message and to your freedom. And it just popped at me as I was reading this. God is appealing to us, inviting us, enticing us to a life of forgiveness. But there are promises that are always conditional. I'll give you this, but it's conditional upon this. And one of the reasons sometimes we don't experience what God wants us to experience, and people say things like this to me like, um, 
I, I can't, I, you know, you, you, don't know my, you don't know my situation. You don't know the problems I see. They tell me why they can't forgive. And one of the reasons sometimes people can't forgive is because they don't understand what forgiveness is. One of, the, one of the ways that we can understand what forgiveness is is by first determining what it's not. So I'm going to tell you what forgiveness isn't, okay, to help you understand what it is and be able to receive what God has for you. Remember, though, that first really key promise is that it's conditional upon obedience. But here's understanding forgiveness, a few comments about that. Number one, we have a wrong understanding, okay, pretty simple. It, in other words, how you define it will determine kind of what, what your outcomes your definitions of things will determine your destination with things. You have to understand what it really is. So to grow, you know, I have this phrase, to grow here, sometimes you have to go there. But we don't know where we're going. We don't even know the direction that we have. And a lot of times we don't know the definition for something, which is similar to the direction for something. So here's, here's understanding forgiveness. First of all, it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Okay, so when somebody's hurt you, offended you, God's not like saying, no big deal, or, you know, you know, just get over it. What's the matter with you? Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, it's, it's, it's not a, no, it's a big deal. God knows it's a big deal. It's, it's a problem, and so he's not trying to marginalize this. Here's another thing that forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not reconciliation, you have to understand what it's not to understand what it is. Forgiveness doesn't mean, see, sometimes people are resisting forgiving someone because they think you're saying, you mean I have to walk, I have to forgive him, therefore go back into the relationship with the person where it's toxic, where the behaviors are destructive, where, where the things that they're saying and doing, I just have to accept. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is mutually exclusive of that. This is another way to say this. Like if I'm playing, if I'm playing Angry Birds, forgiveness is a one-player game. It's a one-player game. In other words, I don't need this person to do something or change in some way in order for me to do it. Okay? Does everybody get in what I'm saying? In other words, if I want to be set free, it's not conditional upon what he or she does for me. God's the one who ultimately sets me free. But on this level, I dictate whether I'll be set free. I need to. It's, it's a conversation that I have with me, not a conversation I have to have with somebody else. Does that make sense? And so people say things like to me, I'm not going to forgive that. I'm not going to forgive that person until they say they're sorry. Well, then you've been made hostage by the definition you have for what forgiveness is. You've been, you put yourself in prison because you're saying they're going to determine whether you ever get free or not. And that simply is not biblical. We should not do that. It doesn't get us anywhere. Here's another thing about forgiveness. You getting something out of this so far? Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. This is a big deal. Some of us have built uh, unrealistic expectations um, you know, sometimes over time, let's just say, I, people say things like that, like, like I've forgiven, uh, but I can't get over the pain. I can't get over the memory of this thing. This is what I would say to you. If I was in, if we were in counseling, I'd say, you might not. You're like, Pastor, could you be a little bit more positive? I'm positive. You may not get over it. The memory of it. Okay. And I'm going to give you something I'm telling you. I hope this can help you the way it helped me, but how many of you guys know Joyce Myers? Anybody? If you don't, just get on YouTube, please. Watch this lady. Okay, she's been used all over the world. Her testimony has been used literally all over the world, millions and millions of people. Uh, I've heard her testimony several times. Uh, she was sexually abused by her father, and yet, and yet if you want to see a visible, vivid 
depiction, illustration, transformation of a person because of the life-changing truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ, she's it. I mean, she's just it when you think about the things that have happened to her. In fact, whenever she talks about it, she was talking at Hillsong, I think it was 2013, on the subject of offensive forgiveness. She says that 80% of the people respond and get set free when she talks about the subject. That's, that's the anointing as a result of what happened to her. God used something to, and did something through her that is literally transforming the world. And so she shares in this particular message a detail that I never heard before because I've heard her testimony before, and I'll get to the detail in a second. But if you don't know it, she was basically, she, she was raped over 200 times. And she would say, she would say, not just 200 times, like I can tell you over 200 times, I can tell you exactly how many times I remember every time and every detail vividly where my father raped me. That's what she'd say. She'd say it to this day. And, and yet, here she's been used mightily and powerfully all over the world to help people. Anyway, one day, this is, the, this is the, the crazy part. You know, we sometimes get to a place where we decide, we know it's a decision, we forgive somebody. But let, let, look what God does. He takes it to another level with her. And one day, she wakes up and, and she says, God told me to call my dad and tell him, tell him that you're going to buy him a home and you want him to move to Atlanta where you live and you're going to take care of him the rest of his life till he dies. How many of that's another level of forgiveness, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Especially given what had happened to her, okay? So she, of course, wrestles with that. There's a whole story about it. It's funny. She said, you know, God, you're not telling me to live with him. You're telling me to buy him a house, right? Yeah, yeah. So that she goes, that would be another level, God. I'm not ready for that. Anyway, so, so she eventually does it. She calls her dad, Dad, I feel like I, I, I need to just bless you and... Um, I've been praying about this, and I just want to do something good for you. So I'm going to, I want to buy you a home. I want you to move to Atlanta, and I want to take care of you and mom. And I, long story short, he agrees. He moves with the mom, never says thank you. Not a word. For four years, silence from the father. Not a word. She just keeps on praying for him, blessing him, doing good to him, over and over again, just doing that. One day, four years, he calls her up. Joyce, honey, I want you to come over. Daddy wants to talk to you. She goes over to the house, sits down in the living room, he sits down, he's, he immediately starts bawling his eyes out, he can barely speak. He says, he says honey, I, I, I'm so sorry. I, 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 I just wasn't man enough to admit what I've done wrong and how I've harmed you and, and how, 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 how offensive what I've done to you. I'm so sorry. He said, but the main reason I'm calling you over here is because I want the Jesus that you know. And she, listen to this, listen all the way through. She led him to Christ the daughter who was abused by him, imagine, imagine, baptized him, she, she dunked him, and then he, and right after that, he died and went to heaven. Now, that's not even the amazing, that's not even, that's the story, but that's not the amazing detail. What shocked me that she said, and I don't know if I can do this right, so I'm going to read it the way I wrote it because I didn't want to mess it up. She said that she said, I'm so free from this offense that I can't even tell you that I wish it didn't happen. Because to know the miracle of what God did first in my heart and then in his and live a life that is greater than I ever could imagine to help others, it made it all worthwhile. I, wish it, I, wish, I wished it happened because of what happened. What, the freedom that God has for you, the reality, the white Christmas that he wants for you can only be possible by doing things God's way. If only you will obey me, if only you will obey me. So I'm saying God is offering something to you and me. In all the things that, in all the baggage that we carry around, he's offering something. Here's another thing, another reason we don't understand forgiveness is we don't think it's fair. 
We don't think it's fair. Can I give you some advice? You don't want to go the fairness route with God. You don't want to ever have fairness with God because if we had fairness, we'd have to pay for our sins. And let me just tell you, you owe a debt you could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. We all needed someone to wipe our sins away. My father's singing a song, I guarantee you, right now in his head. And, uh, but here's, here's, what, here's what the Bible says about this. Peter, you know, like us, is dealing with people and all the offenses and problems and stuff. So Peter's having some people problems. In Matthew 18, you can read it. I'll kind of paraphrase some of this. He comes to Jesus and he says, when people do what people do, Jesus, and I could give you a list, how many times do you forgive them? And there's a whole Jewish tradition here. I'll tell you another time. But he says, he says 70, seven times. He said seven, 70 times seven. In one translation, it says 490 times you need to forgive them. Another translation, it says 40, 490 times per day you need to do that, which means like every three minutes you're forgiving somebody if you're up 24 hours a day, okay? That's a lot of times, okay? So he said, that's how much you forgive them. And Peter's like, what? So Jesus goes into a story, tells a story about a guy, a king is a wealthy man. And, and this guy owes the king a great debt. The debt equivalency then to now was $5 billion. How many believe $5 billion is a lot of money? Raise your hand. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, I want to have lunch with you after church today because <laughs> we need to talk. I need to get to know you. I can tell you about some good investments, the vision of Connect. Etc. Okay, so it's a lot of money. That's the point. Okay, that's the point. So God's trying to use a story to tell Peter and others and all of us a contrasting point. You owed a debt you couldn't pay. So then this guy, oh my gosh, I owe this debt. He begs me, pleads with them, and then God says, "You know what? You owe me that, but I'm going to cancel the debt." And He lets him off the hook. <gasps> so the guy goes away. You'd think his life would be just so different after that, but no. He goes and finds another guy who owes him some dough. And you know how much dough he owes him? He owes him $10,000, about one-third of a household income in the top 1%. $10,000. Now, I know I made a point earlier, but how many think $10,000 is still a pretty good amount of money? If it doesn't, again, let's talk after church. Okay, I just want to spend some time with you. $10,000 is a lot of money. But how many also know that we could never pay back $5 billion, but I think most of us would agree we could pay back $10,000, Right? It's, it's the point Jesus is trying to make is it's incomparable. There was an infinite, inexhaustible, you know, uh, uh, and, and there was an inequity between these two things. They're not comparable. Debt that we owed. One, you could eventually pay. So Jesus is saying in this story, the $10,000, it's real. It has a weight to it. There's a debt to that. The offense is, it's, it's a real deal, but you can, you can release that when you, re, you release it, when you contrast it with the bigger debt that was paid for you. So then he goes on to say at the end of the verse, he says, um, shouldn't you have had mercy? Cause this man didn't have mercy on this guy that owed him 10 grand and he throws him into jail and the people rat him out and it goes back to the king and the king is ripped. And he says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Just as everybody say, just as. It's going to come up later. I had mercy on you. In his anger, the master handed him to the jailers to be, to be tortured until he paid back everything he owed. Then this last line is so strong, but we need, to, we need to receive it. It says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. Wow. How many know you don't like reading that one? You know, that's like, next, can I go to a psalm and proverb? Praise the Lord. Okay, so we've all been forgiven an inexcusable, inexhaustible, infinite debt when we see things the right way. Here's another thing about unforgiveness. 
we don't think we, we, we don't think what somebody did to us, this forgiveness thing, we don't think we can do it. We don't think we can actually get over it. We, you, it's people say things like, like, I believe what the Bible says, yep. I don't disagree with God, but, but, but pastor, it feels impossible. Here, here's another counseling truth. It is impossible in your own strength. It is impossible. And a lot of times what happens is the enemy comes in. By the way, he's, his job description, kills, steal, destroy, as we talked about earlier. And this is, this is what he's lying to you, maybe even right now. He's lying to you. He's basically saying he's trying, to con- he's trying to consume and devour as we know, but he tries to get you to buy a lie so your heart will die. He wants you to be resigned. that This can never, ever change. Oh, man. One of his lies is this can't happen. It's impossible. And the truth is that he tries to get you to measure that lie you buy against your own abilities, your own strength, instead of against God's. And in the process, we lose. But the Bible tells us, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It basically says this, I can do everything. I can do, not some things, once in a while, every now and then. No, I can do everything through Derek. No, through Brian, through Pastor Ernie. No, through Christ, who what? Who gives me strength, okay? So the strength comes from God. So Isaiah is saying, let's settle this. How do you do it? In the power that only comes from God, not from me. I will fail every time I contrast it to my own ability. So let's just say you all buy into this. You're like, okay, I hear you. Thank you for those definitions. I understand what it's not. That helps me understand what it is. I'm intrigued. I want to come into this. I want to come to this journey. I want to experience this white Christmas. This is what it's like. It's like this is on my desk. It's got a nice little sound to it. So I'll shake this up, okay? Here's what happens. A lot of times people are looking at what I'm talking about like they look at this snow globe on their decks. They're like, look at that, it's beautiful. You know, it's so beautiful. The pretty trees and the snowflakes and the beautiful house and the nice music. It's utopia, it's perfect. It's, it's filled with peace and joy and laughter. And oh, I think they're playing inside, look at them. You know, and, and, and so we look at that and that's nice and that's in there, but, that, but I'm out here, okay? That's a reality that I can't experience. See, God is inviting us the sound needs to stop soon now. This, that God is inviting us into this reality. God is trying to say, I can give you a white Christmas, a snow. I can pull you into the snow globe, but you have to embrace things that are seen through my eyes, through my ways. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. These things are for you. We can settle this if you will obey me, and you won't receive or instruction from the world. So there's two kind of steps in order for this to happen. I think this is in your notes, but there's, there's a countercultural step, and there's kind of a counterintuitive step. Here's the counterintuitive step. Basically, you've got to decide that, that we, don't, we don't let feelings decide for us. We, fer- we, we make choices and then feeling, good choices lead to good feelings. Ch- you know, feelings don't, don't start the process. Choices lead, feelings follow. It's counterintuitive. The world's telling you feelings lead everything. I want to sing something, but my son's in the front row, so I won't sing it. All right? Ch- jo- the world's saying that, that if you feel good, you do it. The world's saying that if that doesn't feel right, you don't do it. We can't follow this, 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 this cultural mindset. It's counterintuitive that our choices guide us, and this connects to that obedience step. Is everybody with me out there? And so here's the countercultural one. If you listen to the world and its wisdom and its ways, your friends maybe sometimes give you this, uh, then, then you won't obey. 
You won't do what necessarily God wants you to do. You only need obedience when you don't want to do it. Oh, I don't know if you understand how important that point just is. Like, what's the point of obedience? When you don't want to do it, you want to do this. You want to go with your feelings. You want to go with your intuition on something. You want to go with this default of the world. You only need obedience when you don't want to do it. I'm just encouraging you to obey God. You can settle these matters. You're, next week, we'll talk about a, a thing that's so powerful, but you're going to come to these moments where you have to make a choice, and it's in those choices that your direction and your transformation will come when you make that choice. Can I have an amen? But forgiveness requires that you relinquish the ways of the world and the ways of man. That's what 1 Corinthians 1 is all about in your notes. It's saying that the, 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 God's wisdom is like foolishness to man. It's like the lowly things, the weak. It's like God's trying to tell you to be a doormat, to be weak. No, he's not trying to tell you that. He's saying his ways are actually more effective and more powerful. And he does these things to shame the wisdom of this world. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Like he took somebody who was victimized, a true victim of abuse like Joyce Myers, to do what? To bring glory to God. The things that are not, the things that we're not what? Willing to do to nullify the things that are. He wants to take those things in your life and he wants to flip them and basically say, I will eradicate and erase the impact generationally that the enemy planned for you because of obedience to me. Oh, man. So there's a new reality. There's a snow globe reality, but we have to go into that. In order for that to happen, choices lead and feelings follow. But with those choices will come some behaviors in other words, you can't say, oh, I will obey you and not do anything, right? So, so, so when, when tough stuff kind of is going down, this is not the easy part, but it's, it will make it as colorful as we can, but if you've been mistreated, and I guarantee you have, if you've been offended, if he ran out on you, if she ran out on you, if somebody took your inheritance, if somebody spoke ill about you, if somebody you know, uh, you know, maligned your reputation, if somebody misunderstood you, I hate to be misunderstood. With a passion. I, I, I don't handle it well. I don't handle it well, okay? If somebody took your money, if somebody told lies about you at the office, I mean, if you feel false, if you're, I hate to be falsely accused. Anybody out there like me? All right? I could be, we could build a big list, and we could pull out our violins all day long, okay? So I'm just saying, I understand. But what do we do to get over it? Let me tell you three things you can do. Number one, pray for them. <laughs> Are you kidding me, dude? Pray for them. So when somebody offends you, when somebody does these, they, 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 they're abusive verbally, they, they, they lie about you, they mistreat you, pray for them? Yeah, I'll pray for them. May the flies of a thousand camels attach their, to their armpits. Yeah, yeah. Smite them. Almighty smiter. Ace, you know, whatever. What's that? Bruce Almighty, you know? I mean, when people do stuff... I mean, I get mad over much smaller stuff. I don't know about you, but like, like one of the things that I struggle with, and I'm still working it out, because my family's here, so I'm accountable right now, is you know, I can be an impatient driver, okay? My, my, if you just look over there, you'll see some nodding of the heads, okay? So, so I'm, like, I'm like the perpetual tailgater, okay? Like I'm up on them, okay? I'm trying to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it is my favorite song. Get out of, I'm important, get out of my way. You know, that's kind of, I don't know if that's going through my head, but that's how, like, move it. And then, then once they finally get out of my way, I'll drive by some 95-year-old, like, oh, isn't he a nice boy? You know, and I'm like, 
oh, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't be on the road anyway. You know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So it's, I, it reveals your character, you know. But I need to pray for them. And sometimes my friends will say, just, just pray for them. You know, get a verse and pray for them. You know, I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. Break the teeth of the wicked. Ah, you know, or something like that. Not the best verse, but it's, it's, it's things that come to me. Okay, so Matthew 5, 43 says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. That's the world's wisdom, all right? We're, we're, we're accepting counterintuitive wisdom. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Look at Jesus' life up close. Read the Gospels again and see what he did. He entrusted himself to him who judges rightly while he was on the cross, while he was being falsely accused. I mean, completely innocent. I can't say I was innocent. Look what Jesus did. But he turned his life over to God. This, this, this plays out in funny ways sometimes, but serious ways. Sometimes couples come in. They, I don't do a lot of marriage counseling anymore, but uh, sometimes couples come in. They're, they're in crisis. And so, they, so pre, pre, pre-marriage, it's like funsies, you know what I mean? They come in, you know, let's talk about getting the marriage and the wedding and all that kind of stuff. And they're, you know, they're practically sitting in each other's lap, you know what I mean? Oh, he's so cute. And they're using a pookie and they're saying all these crazy names about each other. And the guy doesn't have a job. He doesn't know where he's going to go. He needs a ride home. But we're in love. We're in love. One year later, they come into my office. They go to opposite corners. I come in with a whistle and a reverie. Let's get ready to rumble. Ding, 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 ding. You know, we're going to go several rounds see how it goes. So I've learned that, that it's not going to work out so well if we don't invite God into the, into the equation. So I'll say, you know, come on, come on, come on around the table. Let's pray. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we should pray. Let's pray. Come. They leave their corners, you know, take their mouth bit out, put it down. They leave, they come to the table. And I said, you know what? Before I pray, and they're like, after all, it's Christian counseling. They, they say, uh, I said, let's, let's pray for each other. They're like, oh, that's a good idea. I said, you know what, Johnny, why don't you pray for Susie Q? Oh, silence of the lambs. I mean, it gets really awkward, okay? And, and Susie Q, why don't you pray for Johnny after that? Okay, go ahead, guys. You know what I mean? It's like really quiet. And then all of a sudden they start praying, and Johnny's like, oh, God, you know, I just pray that this witch, this Jezebel spirit, just come out of her. Ah! <laughs> then she goes to get him back, you know what I mean? God, strengthen this man. Give him some backbone. This man a paste and flour. Make him a man of faith and power. Please, God, I beg you. <laughs> but as they keep praying, all of a sudden it goes from that to tact to like their heart begins to change. And God, you know, help me to be a better spouse and more patient and long-suffering. Why am I saying all this, okay? Oh, the more they pray, the more they change because you can't hate someone and pray for someone. You don't want to persecute someone when you pray for someone. It changes you when you pray. And listen, listen, this is a heavy revy. I don't know if it hit you the way it hit me, but I am more aware that only God can change a human heart. That's it. You can't. You can, you can tee it up. You, you got to do your part. You got to be in the room. You got to open your mouth. But only God can change a human heart. Here's the next point. Number two, you got to bless them. Wait, you just want me to pray for them? Now you tell me to bless them? Okay, what do I mean by that? I don't mean like God bless you, you know. I don't mean like they say in the South, bless your heart. You know what that means in the South? It means you idiot. That's what it means. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. You know, the little boy comes out. He's got his shoes on backwards. You know what I mean? That's when the Southern moms say, bless his heart. Bless his heart. You know what I mean? That's what, it, that's what that means. Just so you know. It's a secret down there. They don't even tell you. You know what I mean? You know, the kid's, kid's flies down. The shirt's coming out of his fly. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. 
Just think, you idiot. That's all that's happening. Anyway, so I'm not talking about that kind of bless, okay? The Bible's kind of bless is it's referring to our words. It's referring to our words. It's when, you, it's when you don't curse people. The Bible says blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. But how many know it's hard? Like, I can pray for I pray for, I prayed for him. I prayed for him. Whoa, you were convincing, pal. Must have really got heaven on that. But when you talk about blessing them and speaking well of them, oh, man, I don't know about you. That's tough. Anybody else? Nobody else? Any takers? That's tough for me. You know, especially when, when they've done certain things to you. It's like, I'm going to pray for them. But then somebody comes to you and they kind of entice you into like, they bait you in. You know what I mean? You know, have you been praying for someone? Yeah, I've been praying for someone. Oh, man, can you believe they did that to you? Yeah. What, wait. Well, yeah. 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 And before you know it, they're saying certain things and you're in this conversation. Now you're speaking bad about them. Listen. Obey God and bless them, okay? Do not curse them with your words. That go, what goes around comes around. You know, if you look at Ronda Rousey, she was, she was not blessing Holly, okay? Look what happened to her. Some of you guys who know the fighting scene, you know what I'm talking about. She might have done a little better if she blessed her. God bless Holly. All right, Luke 6, 27, it says, But I tell you, hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who persecute you. Romans 12, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. You say, but it's tough. I know, but how's it working out for you? How's it working out for you the way that we're doing it? You have choices in this thing. I don't, yeah, but they tick me off. I understand that. Yeah, but they got these cryptid messages on social media. Yeah, but they're trashing my name all through the town. Bless them. Pray for them. Watch what happens. The other way, it doesn't work. It won't work out for you. Here's the last point. Number three, do good to them. Do good to them. Okay, now you're just, you've just gone and done it, Pastor. The, the pray was hard, prayer was hard enough. The bless them, my gosh. Now you want me to do something good for these people who've mistreated me, who've spoken ill about me? who took from me, who broke my heart, who stole whatever they've done. This is what the Bible says. It's crazy, but it's basically saying it's, it's counterintuitive. What, what about those people, you know, you know those people that you're driving and you look in your rearview mirror and they're really, you know, I've been on the other end of this and they're really, they're really mad, you know what I mean? And they're just giving you certain hand signals, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying there? So you just like pull over, just let them go, do good. Don't give them extra hand signals, just let them go. Let them go, be blessed, hallelujah, you know. <laughs> Hi to you too, you know, that sort of thing, all right. Here's what Romans 12 says, do not repay evil for evil. Two wrongs do not make a right. This is our tendency. This is the wisdom of, of the world. We need to trust God with justice. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. In other words, not just people you like. And then it goes, if it's possible, as far as depends on you, or as much as lieth in you, as one translation it says, I think, in the King James, live at peace with some people, people that are good to you. No, it says, everyone, don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. In other words, God's saying, step back, watch me take care of it. I did it for my son, I'm going to do it for you too. He says, for vengeance is mine, I will repay. Let me handle it. On the contrary, here's what I want you to do, son, daughter. Here's your role. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. He will be like, what are you doing? It will literally transform the chemistry of the connection between you and that person because you are following counterintuitive, countercultural advice from the creator. It changes everything. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now you're saying, I don't like it. I know. I'm not asking you to like it. I don't like it. I'm just saying, 
it works. Try it. I'm inviting you to try it and see what happens. What would happen if you began to do that? I believe you and I can have, we can go into this reality instead of just watch it from afar and say other people are having that or certain people are having that, but I want that. You go into that when you apply, you can have, you can have this white as snow, white as wool experience, this white Christmas for yourself when you do things God's way. Can I have an amen? amen. Why don't you stand your feet? I'm going to give you one more fill in the, actually, you know what? Let me give you that fill in the blank because some of you guys, I know how you are. Here's it. The last point is the forgive and forgive. And then I'll explain it to you. The forgiven, forgive. Let me explain that to you as you stand, as you stand. I should have filled that last one in for all those, those people for you. The, we'll unpack the second point next week, but the main thing, again, if you'll obey me, this, this works. This works. This recipe works. Pray, bless, do good, all right? But in order for you to have the capacity, let's just say the strength to do so, you have to make this contrasting, this comparison point with seeing your sin, your failure in the light of what God forgave you of. We forgive just as God forgave us. What did he forgive? He forgave me, this is just an illustration, $5 billion. I can certainly forgive somebody who owes me 10 grand. Make sense to some of us money people. It could be all kinds of things in your life. I want you to think about, just close your eyes, and I want you to close your eyes and look at your own heart for a second. Just close your eyes and look at your own heart, just so somebody can have a moment to themselves. There are many people that can come in and out of here, and they could receive something that literally could, could just go in one ear and out the other, barely scratch the surface of their heart, and make a grand exit as quick as possible. Or you could let it go deeper and penetrate your heart. Is it possible, sir, ma'am, boy or girl, is it possible that this could bring about the change in your life that you need to be free and experience a white Christmas on the inside, not just on the outside? Is it possible that this could be a secret that Joyce Myers experienced, but I could too, if I would but obey what God is saying, if I would but contrast and compare my sin to anybody else's, you'd give me the capacity to forgive and walk in forgiveness. Those that are forgiven will always forgive. If you're here today and you've never received the forgiveness of God and you want to, you want to come into relationship with him, for you to be able to forgive others, you have to receive the forgiveness of God. And he wants you to know that and he wants you to have that. And he's been setting this all up in love, orchestrating something divine so that you can make that connection with him. If you know he's doing that in your heart right now, I want you to not wait, not hesitate, but I want you to raise your hand and say, pray for me right now. Pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am, over there. That's awesome. Yes, ma'am, back there. That's awesome. Yes, ma'am. Yes, in the back. Thank you, sir. That's awesome. Yes, over there. That's awesome. God bless you for your courage. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? And those that raise your hand as well, would you say, Jesus, I want a new reality. Make me a new person from the inside out. Your word says you do that. You make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I accept what Jesus did for me so I could be that person. I thank you, God, for it in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, I pray they would experience and know inside, not just outside, the forgiveness of God. 
so they could forgive others. I pray that you begin to release them. Literally, as they drive home today, something begins to happen on the inside of them, and they're being changed from the inside out. It's transformational. There's no explanation for it. They don't understand what's happening. God is doing a surgery on your soul. That's what's happening. You're being set free so you can help others be free. He's doing a Joyce Meyer in you. He's doing a Jesus work in you, and it's awesome. Let it happen in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for lives to be changed because of what happened today, and we thank you, and we give you praise. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise.